Mindfulness is on the way with today's guest. Welcome to the podcast. It is Thursday, December 9th. Um, I want to rip off some things that you can put on your calendar and then we'll bring in Jen McCullough to help us both with mindfulness. Something I think I would give myself a B for effort, a C plus in actually achieving it. More about that coming up with uh, Jen McCollum. We're a week out from Winterfest and the Winterfest festivities beginning at the ballpark. The walleye have released what the alumni game jerseys will look like. And they are that shade of many throwback, but yet modern hockey jerseys are. I have retired wearing jerseys. There was, as you might remember from some past podcast, I was in a usually like an NBA jersey because they were the most affordable, an NBA jersey arms race in middle school. Like my friend got a Hornets one, so I got a Magic one. He got a Shaq one, so I got a Penny one. Um, It is amazing. And I have been so much more aware of inflation recently, <laughs> um, like over the, over the decades. Like those jerseys, I could afford them as a teenager. They were 40 bucks. Now... They're like twice that. So, Winterfest is coming up, and it begins next week and runs through early January. The alumni game, which will feature Storm and Walleye players against Red Wing alumni, alumni, some uh, youth hockey tournaments. There'll be two walleye games. Adrian men's and women's hockey team will be playing, and lots to buy and drink and celebrate outside. What else? Uh, Today, I've been telling people on the radio, and maybe you here for a moment or two, um, that Children's Wonderland is back at Tam O'Shanter this year. Today, I read the article by Ahmed, Ahmad, Ahmed, I'm sorry, Ahmed Elbeni. Must be new at the blade. I'm unfamiliar with his name. He did a very comprehensive story based around Eddie Jensen, who got into construction and has been one of the people erecting, sorry, constructing Christmas Wonderland at Tam O'Shanter. After reading through this, I'm guessing this is as close to the North Pole as we're going to get here. It sounds very uh, Bronner's Christmas Wonderland. That's what it is, right? Like up up 75. It sounds very Bronner's-like on a much smaller scale. So enjoy that. I'm beginning this weekend. What else did I want to tap into? But Do I want to get angry? Um, another arts are thriving here. For years, I have, I've always said... Our arts district is so much more than the art museum, and we have so many murals, maybe too many. Um, But arts here are, there's talent and thriving and beauty outside of the art museum and a couple of, of the original murals that we had downtown. So many talented artists. We're getting another arts district, or one is being planned. Not here, per se, but Port Clinton and Oak Harbor are going to team up for an arts district corridor. Um, you know I will often talk about Zaya Cook at South Carolina. Some of her main competition, um, excuse me, for player of the year is out for a while. So maybe that will help Zaya. And you always want to beat the best, compete against the best. But this is a circumstance. And Zaya and whatever she does might be able to take advantage of it. Her former school and a school, all, well, there were some City League games yesterday, some girls games that caught my attention. Um, and this is kind of confusing because I'm not totally familiar with mascots, as, as familiar with the mascots as I should be. Start Spartans, right? Uh, they beat Woodward 
62 to 9. Which is more impressive, that score or what uh, Zia's old school did to Scott? Rogers beat, this one's probably more impressive, but single digits, only giving up single digits in a basketball game is impressive or oppressive. Uh, Rogers beat Scott 88 14. So again, start. Woodward 62 to 9. Rogers beat Scott 88 to 14. I can only hope that, uh, as they say, the dogs were called off and hopefully the subs were in. And I don't, is there a shot clock? Like, I don't know what else you can do um, other than put the end of the end of the bench in so these things aren't even more embarrassing than the scores would say. So. That caught my attention. What else did I have? More high school stuff. Um, Not a day goes by where we hear about a threat to a school. And this is happening in the area, in the region. It's not surprising. Like I talked about with Bethany in the wake of the Oxford tragedy. It's it's just the thing. It it sucks. Um, It sucks terribly because you're terrifying people. Like this is a lot different when I was in school. The fire drill, the fire bell got rang so much. It was rang, rung so much. Pranksters, heathens, youth. Um, most of the time, like if the fire bell rang five times during the week, most of the time it was a prank or somebody pulled it to get out of class. That's why I think they had to tell the teachers on the daily announcements or in the sheet they got, um, today is a fire drill. Like this is legitimate. And it, it became unfortunate because so many times the fire bell rang and we just shrugged our shoulders. That's dangerous. And even more dangerous is what kids are copycatting into now. And that's why I said to Bethany last week, I hope we move on to something else that is different, obviously, but more along the lines of the fire bell than such and such said there's a gun in school or there's been a, a, a violent threat made against the school. Because we have to treat everyone as the real thing because of how disgustingly in vogue school shootings are now. And with the loss of life and how much pain these cause. So I hope um, there was a Springfield one. I think there were a couple of Michigan the other day. Every day there's something. There's a knife at school, something. I hope when these are found out to be fake... Like, these kids or whoever does them, they're punished severely. And we're going to have Judge Lindsay Navarre on in a couple of weeks. Talk some mental health court and how to maybe more appropriately punish criminals and maybe have a softer hand because there's a mental health issue going on or extenuating circumstances. But if you're just a kid pulling a prank um, and this is your way of going about it, okay, we're going to look into your background like we would with bullying. Like, why is this person doing this? But if we can just say this person is doing a prank, um, or you're literally messing with people's lives. Like, it's life and death. And I don't mean to overstate that or, or to be hyperbolic, but that's what it is. What, four, four kids were killed last week? Five? One is too many. It's one thing with it when it when it's a fire drill and we have to go waste our time outside in the cold weather because somebody wanted to get out of a test. This is life and death. So I hoped, I hope whoever does this 
kids, adults, whatever, are punished accordingly. Punished so harshly, they don't ever do it again. Um, I have hung up and retired East Side jokes. Um, I remember when I lived in Detroit, everybody made fun of Downriver. And I believe Downriver has grown so much since then. Maybe some of the the joking and the the teasing is the prodding that gets some of these neighborhoods to go, okay, we don't want people doing it. Maybe some of these things are legit, but we don't want people thinking or talking about us like this. So let's, let's, what can we do? Um, I made like two East Side jokes when I first moved here. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And then I realized how mean these things were and how how much pride some people had in in these neighborhoods. Like my friend Danny Seafeth in the Ironwood neighborhood. So I retired my East Side jokes, but I will be, and maybe I'm just pulling one quote here out of a story from Trevor Hubert uh, from The Blade. Garfield resident, hopeful. Um, It's where the sports arena was. Um, and the Garfield residents would like their neighborhood rebuilt a lot like what's happened in downtown. And neighborhood residents are certainly a part of that. They, I guess, would like re- uh, restaurants and stores to come back and uh, a little riverfront district. And let me see if I can find the exact quote so you know that I'm not just cherry picking. Um, it's a Miss Dillon, Penny Dillon. She's lived in the neighborhood for a quarter of a century. So the city needs to plan needs to plan as initial problems have grown in recent years. Thirty thousand dollars our houses value have gone down. Everybody's it's just more poverty and COVID is doing it too. She said she'd also like to see more opportunities for kids in the neighborhood to succeed by giving them constructive things to do. You know that that's like a top my priority list. She did say, "Why can't we get baseball diamonds going again?" Penny, let me tell you something. I think if you took the average kid these days and showed them what what, what a base field, baseball field was, like the kind you play pickup baseball on, they would have no idea what's happening or what that is. Um, I believe I might have been part of the last generation of kids who played sports outside just because we did it. Not organized. It wasn't, you know, my Bustleton Bengals travel league. It wasn't me. Um... And what, whatever other organized league I was a part of, it was just the neighborhood kids or people that you met in the community and you after school went to the gym and played some pickup, whatever. Soccer, football, baseball, basketball. Now, everything is ultra organized. And as you know, as a parent, ultra expensive. Like thousands of dollars for sports that cost my dad like 60 bucks. Inflation. Um, and money making. The evils of predatory and greedy capitalism. Uh, But Penny, I'm all for giving kids things to do. Um, I would not say baseball fields are one thing we should spend our money on. Not that I don't want kids playing baseball, but uh, I just don't know if they'll know what to do with that thing. Basketball courts, playgrounds, other outdoor things kids can do, like some of the things the Metro Parks offer. Yes. Baseball fields? Uh, I don't think so. One last thing. Uh, there was another story by Melissa Vage today on 13 ABC talking about how uh, there's an increased amount of travel nurses. So I guess uh, people are leaving their job, but not their field. They're going from nurses to travel nurses. Um, makes sense if you don't have anything tying you down, kids, family, or anything like that, and you're tired of maybe seeing the same ornery, irritable patients in the gray that is Toledo. Maybe it's something you'll explore. Um, I remember 
following who I thought were some level of influencers. They were attractive. On Instagram, women, I'd be like, wow, they look at this life. They're seeing mountains. It's like the total influencer kind of account. There's beautiful mountains, serene scenes. They're on a Greek island. They're on a boat tropical location or something else that's beautiful about where on the planet we live on. They have lots of followers. Very beautiful, very attractive. I come to find out they're travel nurses. I'm like, how do they, they, they do all this? I mean, are you an influencer and they pay you to go? Then I found out, no, travel nurses make a, like a, a lot of money, like a lot, a lot of money. Would I be wrong if I was like, if you're a travel nurse, you're what, 26, 27 years old, you're making 90 grand? I can see why you're okay to hop around and live the part travel nurse, part influencer lifestyle. All right, that's it for the monologue today. Let's get to today's guest, Jen McCullough. So glad she could be here to help us both with mindfulness. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking some time. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you too. Um, how did you how did you get onto the radar of the blade? Oh, well, um, one of their former photographers, Amy Voigt, mm-hmm. um, had noticed that I came out with something called the Mindfulness Deck. And they were very curious about bringing some positive news into the news stream. And especially during the pandemic when everyone's stressing out. And um, she thought this would be, you know, a feel-good story. So she passed the information on to one of the reporters there. And then it just went from there. Well, I was glad to come across it um, because you're right. It's been a, I have to tally it. I think we're at 21 months now. It's been very stressful. Yes. Um, did you, uh, so I saw your pictures at the new, are we calling, is it the new Buddhist temple? The new location? There is a new Buddhist temple. Right, right. It's not that far from here, right? It is not. It is on Emogene Road, which is very near the major intersection of Talmadge and Bancroft. Did you do yoga at the previous location? I did. I thought so. That's where I remember you from. I Did uh, you come and take a yoga class? Not a yoga class, but I came for some of Rinse and Wake's sessions. Oh, fantastic. Because it was back in 2014. It was the summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. And I was going through... Um, it was about a year before I found the right medication, uh, and I have I, I have a lot, but I'm I can live, although it's a painful daily existence. But I yes. I do better than most. Yes. Um. But at that point, like my anxiety was just like I was a couple of years away from that anxiety literally killing me. Yeah. And then the day to day needing depression. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I've always been open minded and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um. A therapist I, that I was seeing recommended some mindfulness for beginners books read them couldn't really implement the stuff Hmm. um i guess i couldn't calm my boy they call monkey brain monkey mind monkey mind couldn't calm Mm. it down so i was like let's see if we have something like that here that where i can get some help or some training and guidance and i found the buddhist temple nice um with rinse and wake and his great community of people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i went to some i went to a bunch didn't fit in with my schedule it was uh I lived downtown at the time, mm-hmm. and it's a pain in the butt to get there. Oh. Now I actually live right down the road, and I don't go downtown as much anymore because it was such a pain in the butt, but it was a great place, and whenever I got the opportunity to uh, share that we had such a place mm-hmm. here, like, please um, look into it. Absolutely. It was not any kind of 
whatever any whatever any negative words people would assign to spirituality, Buddhism mm -hmm. was not there at all. Right. Um, because of people like yourself and Rinse and Wake and then just the general community, like just mm -hmm. normal run of the mill people. You would never guess these people come and get into the spirituality the way that they do. Absolutely. And I think, you know, none of us here, we're all Midwestern kids, right? Yeah. So none of us grew up as Buddhists. Mm -hmm. So it's still a very new thing. And we are all, the common denominator with all of us is we want ways to relax to lower stress and to enjoy life more, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we would like to end our own suffering, suffering, and hopefully the end end suffering of others. And so, looking for ways that actually work. And you know, one of the primary practices at the Buddhist temple is just a simple mindfulness meditation, which isn't necessarily religious in and of itself. When taken as a separate thing. Uh, you're basically just sitting and breathing and letting yourself practice being in the present moment rather than following the mind, which loves to run into the future and think and overthink. And then the anxiety comes, right, when we're overthinking. Mm -hmm. Been there, done that, so I can relate to your story. I have had my own share of anxiety and depression over the years. And it's one of the reasons I'm in the field I'm in, because I found things there that really worked. Um, and then, of course, the mind can time travel to the past and, mm -hmm. you know, overthink things in the past that went well or didn't go well. And then we're stuck there. Mm -hmm. So the mindfulness meditation practices so much about sitting down, settling down, connect with your breath, the body, the floor, the air, and just be in the moment as ordinary as it is. And in the, the meditations um, at the Buddhist temple... We are literally just sitting on the ground silently doing that. Mm -hmm. And the mind is, as you said, the monkey mind, it's always looking for something to do. So it gets bored very easily. So it's looking around for something shiny to look at or it's hopping into our thoughts. And, and then that can stir up all kind of feelings. And so the refuge really is that you can climb back into the present. You breathe and just be in that ordinary moment. Uh, people might be familiar with the, the phrasing of yoga practice. Yeah. And they might not quite grasp that. And one of the books that I read um, about mindfulness was like those two mindfulness practice, yoga practice, they're always going to go together mm. because it's not necessarily like weight training um, mm. where you're looking to achieve a personal record or lift a certain amount. Like mm -hmm. this is practice. You're, you're really never going to reach that enlightenment, if you are, maybe you'll lead a religion and books will be written about you, but it's a daily practice. You're never truly going to perfect it, right? Right. It is It is a practice because every moment is its own unique thing. Um, and so one day if I sit down and I try to do my meditation, I might notice the monkey mind is in full gear that day, even after many years of practicing this. The beauty of it is I can notice, oh, Monkey mind, busy today. Okay, just breathe and sit here and be in my living room where I practice. And it's very centering and grounding. And then my mood isn't at the mercy of where my mind is that day. Fast forward to the next day, I might sit down on my cushion to do my meditation practice and I'll notice my mind is very calm. Hmm. Notice a calm mind. Same thing, just sit there and breathe and be in the moment. And so really what you're cultivating is this sense of presence and equanimity. So when your mind is busy and when your mind is not busy, when life is 
grand and when life is pretty crummy, we can still be in the moment and kind of move through it instead of feeling like we're on that roller coaster ride. Um, But it's interesting you brought up the term training uh, because really with meditation practice, you are training your mind to kind of stay put in Mm -hmm. the moment. And with yoga training, you're training yourself again to be in the moment, um, to be in the moment with your body and to be kind and honest with what's happening in your body while you do the different stretches or balance poses or what have you. You're a mindfulness expert. You have a background in, in education. Yeah. Um, and I am by no means uh, trying to, to counter or argue, but I myself have split apart mindfulness from meditation, whereas mm. you just mindfulness meditation mm. because I had given up trying to meditate in a traditional ah, way. Okay. But amid my journey of trying to help myself, mm-hmm. I came across the fact that I could be mindful and meditative in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've shared this with others. And, mm-hmm. and I'll ask some other questions, how you can help some other people. And yeah. we'll get to the deck as well. Yeah. One, one, one way that I, I know that I'll do it all the time is I hand wash dishes. I, were, mm-hmm. I lived a place where I never had a dishwasher, so I got into the habit of hand washing them. Yeah. And while not meditation... I would slow myself down mm-hmm. as I'm washing the dishes, try to feel literally every drop of water mm-hmm. on my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds, you can call it quackery or whatever. Not but to me. <laughs> ju- not to you, but just that that focus of literally trying to feel every droplet mm-hmm. of water. Mm-hmm. It's not 10 minutes of meditation. It's mm-hmm. not 10 minutes of mindfulness, but it's kind of like that rubber band that snaps some focus, that being mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. So that's a practice that I yeah. do because- Mindfulness meditation is very challenging for people. So that's why I try to share mm-hmm. things like that. What mm-hmm. can you throw out that can be helpful to people? And I'm sure some of those oh, things are in the deck. They they actually are. So, I mean, what you're talking about is mindful dishwashing. Fill in the blank. Mindful driving. Mm-hmm. You could text and drive. People do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But that means your mind is occupied partially with that very important text message about who knows what. And driving. Well, mindful driving is pretty important for obvious reasons, safety and such, and also enjoyment. You know, you could be listening to Q105. You could be listening to Eric Chase on the radio and having a blast, <laughs> right? And um, But then we're splitting our attention. And what we're trying to do is integrate our whole self, body, mind, attention, everything, into whatever we're doing, as simple as washing the dishes. There's a practice called mindful walking. I've heard of it. Which is just walking Mm -hmm. not walking and talking not walking and chewing gum not walking and looking at your phone even not walking and talking yeah talking to somebody which that's not a problem per se but mindful walking can be its own thing when you walk from your car to your building or your house that may be your most quiet peaceful 20 steps of your day where you can just feel your feet touching the ground you can feel the air on your skin you can feel the sun on your face or the rain on your face whatever it is and you're in that moment no matter what happened at work no matter what's going on in your mind no matter what happened in the past no matter what your worries are in that moment you're just walking we have um and this was uh, encouraged at the beginning of COVID. We have a great place to do something like that with all of our mm-hmm. metro parks. And so, in fact, somebody from there reached out. He's like, hey, I know you're, you do a lot of mental health. We'd like to work with you about the metro park opportunities with that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm an idiot for not reaching out to you sooner. <laughs> and 
mindful walking. I mean, one of the things that another practice that I try, maybe it's in your deck. I don't know where I learned it, but it was uh, um, splitting my senses Mm. where Mm -hmm. I try to identify the smell, Mm -hmm. try to isolate specific sounds, Mm -hmm. see what I see. Um, taste what I taste. And that's another one of the things that I do my best to bring me back to that present. Absolutely. So you seen, you're you referring to practice, at how I teach it sometimes. It, it's five, four, three, two, one grounding practice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but when I got grounded when I was a kid, that was a bad thing. Right. Now it's good. But now it's, it's good. It's a different framing of what grounding is. But um, anyhow, so taking that time to ground yourself through your senses like literally come back to your senses Uh, and instead of being stuck in your mind and you know your head's in the clouds or you're overthinking something it's like wait a minute plug into your senses okay so you take the five and the five would be look around your immediate environment and identify five things that you can see you know where I am right now I see Eric I see the, the the tree behind me, some bushes. I see a chair missing a wheel. (laughs) It's reality, right? You just notice what is. Posters. Um, And then four is four things you can feel, either by literally reaching out to touch. Like, it's helpful to, okay, I'm here at this desk. I'm here on this chair. I can feel my hair on my neck. I can feel the the warmth on my skin I can feel I can feel my breath Mm -hmm. which is huge because if you're able to notice your breath you're automatically plugged into the moment too and what's the three three things you can hear okay so in this moment I heard someone cough I hear an, an airplane in the distance and like a car driving by or something and uh, yeah, and that just helps me anchor myself here. And then two things you can smell. You know, maybe you have something, you know, put lotion on my hands. I can smell that or smell the fresh air or just wherever you are to anchor yourself in that place. And then the last one is taste, which if you had something to drink or eat, fine. Or you could just lick your lips and mm-hmm. notice that. So those things, you know, help you be in the moment and orient yourself and get your bearings. Um, and I've found that to be very helpful when I feel anxious because I know when I'm anxious, I get caught up in my thoughts and I'm completely oblivious to what's happening around me. And so when I notice that's starting to happen, then I just grab that tool, five, four, three, two, one grounding. You can do it inside, outside. Um, and it doesn't matter your age, what you're doing. You can is, practice it. Is that one of... The, so there's 26 cards in the deck, right? It is not. That is going in deck number two. I like it. I like <laughs> someone who's got a long-term vision and plan. Because so, I, I did what There's 52 cards in a regular deck there of is, cards. Okay. There, there are. Okay. And we just split that in half. No, no not, not for any, any particular reason. So we have the mindful walking card. So okay. this has a turtle on it. So symbolizing how... Mindful walking, at least at first, you may want to slow yourself down so that you can start to feel your feet on the ground and you can start to connect with yourself, connect with your environment. Um, When I'm teaching mindfulness in schools, 
That practice, mindful walking, is so helpful to teach the wee ones, like the kindergartners, first graders, and up about personal space. So I don't know if you remember back in grade school, everybody would run to be mm-hmm. in line. It was awesome to be first in line. And if somebody was cutting going on, remember when someone cut on you, cut in on you? That was like a No big, butts. That was a big deal. Yep. No cuts or butts, right? Yep. And um, yeah, so the kids, they just have no sense of personal space. So teaching, having an opportunity to practice walking and being respectful of the person's personal space in front of us. Can I uh, walk this back just a second and yeah. add some of my own personal context? Because yeah, I, I remember reading about mindful walking in, in one of my books. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I did it when I was at the Buddhist temple, and I didn't quite get it then. I actually <laughs> got it from the books that I was reading. Uh-huh. And you mentioned the the five, four, three, two, one, mm-hmm. and somebody might be not skeptical, but like I, I smell stuff, I see stuff, I walk all day long. It doesn't, it doesn't bring me, it doesn't center me, it doesn't assuage any of my anxiety. And I would say it's because you don't consciously have to think about doing these things. Mm-hmm. You can't stop breathing. You breathe because <laughs> your body tells you to. Um, I don't have to think about walking, not since I was like a year old. Mm-hmm. But if you do consciously, or a more professional mm-hmm. word, professional buzzword would be, if you intentionally think about doing it, mm-hmm. It brings you back into that moment, mm-hmm. thinking about things that you wouldn't normally think about. Is that the, uh, the background of it? That's a huge part of it. I mean, we're sentient beings, so we, that means we have senses. We notice things in our mind, even being one of our senses. We we perceive things. Um, and this stuff is happening all the time. We walk all the time. But do we ever really pay attention to our walking and our breathing? Like you said, we don't really have to. Breathing is an autonomic function. That means our body breathes for us, thankfully, so I can sleep and think about other stuff and I can talk to you. I have not thought about my breathing, but maybe I will when I notice that I'm (laughs) going really fast. Mm -hmm. I can just take a breath and check my posture and slow down. So, So a mindfulness practice, if you're doing mindful walking, for example, you're doing it on purpose. You said intentionally. Yeah. So I might say, you know what, today's been a long day. After work, I'm just going to always carve out that five minutes to just actually practice something um, that's a mindful practice. And there are lots of mindful practices to choose from. The five, four, three, two, one, the mindful walking, mindful breathing, and mindful eating, and on and on. But it's that you're practicing something, and like anything else, what you practice, you get better at. Mm-hmm. You start to embody So what I mean by embody is, so if I am used to checking in, practicing my deep breathing, when a really bad situation happens, or just an ordinary thing, like someone cuts me off when I'm driving, and that's startling, angering, um, I can notice my reaction, which is I'm startled and I'm a little angry about that. And then I can go, oh, well, I can choose to go faster. I can choose to flip them off. I can choose to do a lot of things. And I can also choose to take that deep breath. And if I'm already practicing on a regular basis, that's going to come like kind of like second nature. Like walking. It's, it can be no different than walking, whereas mm-hmm. you train your brain to um, like something that I had read years and years ago before I even got into to like true mindfulness mm-hmm. was um, when you get cut off, it's instead of being angry, <laughs> maybe be sympathetic. Like maybe that person mm-hmm. is late for work because mm-hmm. of something like give something we've learned 
we've tried to express over the last 21 months. I'll offer a little grace. Yeah. And now when somebody mm-hmm. cuts me off or whatever, I don't instinctively angrily react because I trained my brain. Mm-hmm. And like you were talking about, um, you can do that for other things if you mm-hmm. do the practice. What, what about, like I have found myself where you might even want to call them anxiety attacks. Mm. And I know that I should be doing certain things to calm myself, but I can't. Mm. Obviously the deck of cards would be super helpful. Absolutely. What's something like for someone who's just going getting going with this, something jarring that you could suggest they do to maybe snap them out of that anxiety (laughs) so they can do something that you're talking about. Oh, wow. Well, there's, you know, snap out of it. Come to your senses, right? (laughs) Like I'd slap you. (laughs) There was a a girl who I I chat with on Twitter a little bit and Mm -hmm. she said her her dad is a a doctor, some kind of PCP and we were talking about Mm -hmm. medication she's about to get on. And I said, well, what do you do in the meantime? Mm -hmm. And she said her dad said, get a sink full of ice and cold water and stick your face in it. Is there something jarring like that that you could do when you're feeling, I would say anxiety is the thing that so many people are dealing with Mm -hmm. as opposed to depression where that could snap somebody because that's so jarring to all, Mm -hmm. so many of the senses, Mm -hmm. then you kind of reset yourself and go, okay, now I can do the cards. Mm -hmm. I see what you mean. I, gosh, that's very interesting. I've never thought to do, I never thought of it in the framework of jarring myself into something. I, I, but, but I like that and I've heard that that can be very helpful. Like take a quick cold shower because you can't help but notice you're in a cold shower. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of cool outside today. So even just stepping outside, if you're in an office all day long, the anxiety is building or you're in your house or inside. I remember doing this when my children were babies where if they were crying, and cry. You're fine. I just knocked the microphone. Now I'm having an attack. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't mean to minimize that. Um, so I would, if they were crying and I changed the diaper and I fed them and they're dry and all of this stuff, well, I would, let's just go outside. Even if it was cold outside, because they can't help but notice that change of what was coming in through their senses. And it kind of snapped them out of whatever jag they were in. For them, of course, as a baby, they're nonverbal. They're not stuck in their thoughts per se, but they were stuck in something, right? And so I could see that being valuable. So just even just plain old exercise, you know, if you're in the habit of, you know, even just walking outside, get your shoes on, just get yourself outside and move. Mm-hmm. Because anxiety is often caused with our thoughts and we need to get into our body and or the senses. Um, And then we're in a place where then we can think more clearly. Because what happens when we're anxious like that, we are kicking in that part of our brain, that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. There's also the freeze response. It's the freeze where we can't do anything at all. Yeah, it's like, okay, in this situation, let's say a random person just kind of walks by this outdoor They actually might do that. They they might do that. So. Okay, but let's just say it's a snake. Okay. Let's say it's a snake. Snake, okay. And so the snake comes, you know, comes by the door. What might happen? You know, there's a stress response. You're petrified. You're petrified. (laughs) Or unless you're me, I'd probably be like, oh, that's really cool. Neat. Let me get my phone out. I'm the same (laughs) way. But we get the idea. Okay. So, but think of any kind of threat. So like, just say a snake. We might want to hurt it. That's the fight response. Like throw something at it we might 
uh, have the flight response, which is run away, run away, run away. We might have the freeze response where we literally just freeze, our muscles freeze, and we just stare with wide eyes and don't do anything. So we are hardwired for that simply for survival. Mm-hmm. And it comes in handy. And it certainly came in handy earlier in human history when we were hunters and gatherers and we had bigger more immediate threats of the environment and wild animals we don't necessarily have that so much in our modern day life but we do have um, people who cut us off while we're driving we do have concerns about um, different things in our lives we do have that irritating coworker or that uh, email that we just got that has some difficult news or that diagnosis that is troublesome and that causes stress and you know kicks in that response so we may have our own typical mo we might be a fighter an arguer that type of thing we might be someone who is more of the flight mode like i'm gonna i'm just gonna go away i'm just gonna get get away from this problem can't can't deal with the email if you don't open it exactly or there's the the freeze response, which I'm just gonna you know pre- yeah pretend it's not there mm-hmm. and just not do anything, or be f- stuck in your life and you really can't just get back into the groove of life, right? Um, so we get impacted by all these things, and so what we want to do is not make a problem of those things coming up. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes you get a diagnosis. Sometimes you have a snake by the door. Sometimes you have a bothersome person at work or in your neighborhood or in your family, Uh, or just troublesome thoughts, these kinds of things. And so what we learn to do is because we're human, we have this ability to observe that all of this is happening. Like I can observe that I'm getting stressed by reading this email. Well, once I can observe that that's happening, and if I've been practicing or I'm aware of mindfulness practices, that's when I know to do one of those things, maybe a couple of those, maybe several of those, to help me get back to where I can think more clearly. Because what happens when we have that fight or flight response, there's a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. that just basically goes offline. And basically, it's like... We have no, what do you call it, Wi-Fi here. So you're not going to be able to access your data. You're not going to be able to access all your best practices, all your smarts, all your best decision-making, all your best... Um, the, the, amig- so, the amygdala takes over. and the fear- Talk to us. Talk to us, Eric. Talk and, to us about, and- <laughs> amig- about brain anatomy. The, 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 you're, but you're right. The prefrontal shuts down. The amygdala takes over. And we revert back to those cave people and... I like to say we can't run from our DNA, but we can rewire it a little bit. Mm, one of the reasons why love that. one of the reasons I was so open to mindfulness and, and meditation and spirituality and, and, and even the Buddha stuff, um, the more religious aspects mm-hmm. of it was I for the majority of time I was in therapy, it was all CBT. Mm. You're talking about the email, the the, mm. the nasty email you get. Um a lot of the mindfulness stuff that you're alluding to is very much CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where, mm-hmm. you know, I was so thankful that I could rewire my mind with some things where it's like, okay, for me, my my snake was, we need to talk oh, from anybody, anybody. and any, anybody. Mm-hmm. And the CBT will help you unpack it, go, 
why are you afraid of needing to talk to that person? Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They could be pregnant. They could be dying. They could be, and the anxiety takes over. Mm-hmm. And then when you walk through that a little bit and realize that it's just the anxiety most of the time lying to you and they're like, I just wanted to know what kind of pizza you wanted to get for dinner. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. You, you do that over and over again and those things become a little bit less scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you start to become aware. It's, there's a fancy term called metacognition, which means you can be aware of your own thinking and aware of how you're feeling. And mindfulness really is that. It's cultivating that ability to be aware of yourself, your environment. And it isn't always about just feeling good. It's about being aware of what's really happening. Um, so that we can more clearly see reality. We can clearly get that someone just wants to know what you want on your pizza. Otherwise, everything gets so clouded by our reaction. Um, But it's such a beautiful thing when you start to practice these things and you learn about how they work and how your brain works is you can observe your mind and go, wait a minute, that's just, it's just a thought. And for me, with anxiety, my anxiety comes up certain times of the year. It's pretty predictable. So that's actually helpful mm-hmm. when I know, okay, this is coming. I don't fear that time anymore. It's more like I'm aware of it and I don't judge myself like, oh, there's something wrong with me because I'm not peaceful, calm, and happy all the time. That's unrealistic. Um, but instead, I notice there are certain times in my life, certain times of the year that it comes up and how it shows up for me is in my physical body. It's a lot of tingling. And it's like an uncomfortable feeling in my chest area and my neck area. And it's sort of like I just want to shake it off. And part of it is I just have a lot of stress hormones coursing through my body. You know, like you have adrenaline not only secreted from your adrenal glands, but also at every nerve ending. So when people say their nerves are fried, literally. Mm, You're on my nerves. You're my last nerve. You're on my last nerve. Like, gosh, I only have one left and you took it. And so it's going to take some time for those stress hormones to get sort of digested and, you know, taken care of, if you will. So I've learned to not make a problem of it. I've learned to just go, oh, the tingling sensation is here in my body. I'm noticing it. I'm not judging it as bad or good for that matter. Um, And then, okay, I have my list of things that I can try. I have, you know, I have my card decks, but I also have something just on my fridge that has like a list of all my go-to things if I'm having that come up. And I know those things work for me. And so I just go up there and I make sure I'm doing those things every day until that feeling changes. And I have that sort of faith that that yucky feeling in my body goes away. But I almost, I don't want to say, I don't disidentify from it, but I, I notice it more objectively. And mindfulness, a huge part of it is that noticing something without judging it, mm-hmm. without reacting. It's like, oh, it's cloudy. Some people probably love this. Cloudy, oh, they're like. I could, mm, when I, mm, I think mm. you'll, you'll appreciate <laughs> this because um, I have the war on winter. Uh, as we shift from nice weather, like I don't have a problem with fall. I just know that this is next and I 
People are like, I can wear heavier clothing and get my pumpkin spice latte and gingerbread and it's Christmas. I'm like, you realize that we have less sunlight than any other time of the year and like we need the sun. Like nobody ever walked outside and it looked like an orange juice commercial with pure joy when it was gray and cloudy. Yeah. It's the sun that we get life from. So I think you're a lot like me where days like this, yeah. if if we get like a string of these through like the middle of January, mm-hmm. like I, I'm just going to get hit. I'm just going to get hit and I'm going to stay in bed all day. Oh, got it. I'll tell you how I've practiced with this because, you know, we don't get that much vitamin D, this part of the country. Mm-hmm. So I take vitamin D. I have one of those little lamps that has the light. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a placebo effect, I feel like I'm doing something yeah. about it. Exercise helps. Definitely. Um, but coming back to m- the mindfulness piece of it is, can we notice that it's cloudy? Notice our reaction. Like, I don't like it. And then maybe just see it for what it is. It's just clouds. Clouds aren't inherently good or bad. They're just there. Someone might see this and go, oh, I'm so glad. I'm just going to go get a book and mm. curl up in the bed. And it's just their way of looking at it. Um, I mean, there's reframing the whole CBT even around weather. Make the best yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Um, I can't make the best of this. And when we get eight inches of snow in the middle of January, there ain't no, I just deal with it. No, then you have to go sledding or come I, with me and go cross-country skiing and you just, you just, you just own it. I, you just put on your gear and, and you go skiing over at Ottawa Park for free. Nope. I just no. know that when it's 88 and scorching... And my joy irritates others. <laughs> it's the other side. Not every. Do you like, take joy in other people's suffering? Yeah. Ah, uh, the truth comes out. Y- yes, I do. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I don't. Oh, oh, okay. So you're you you've got the hat trick. So I want I want to be working in hospitals when the people are like, I wish you would have taken the vaccine. Sorry. Oh, got it. Got it. That's the kind of suffering. I'm not like. Okay. I don't even look at like little toddler videos falling over and laugh at them. But when people okay. bring it on themselves, okay, fine. gotcha, um, gotcha. You were talking about like nerve endings and and mm. things. Um, I did want to ask you, and something I've actually always wondered. Not, mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously a believer in so much of this, um, but some people need even more. Speaking of COVID stuff, some mm. people need to see even more science and data. Mm-hmm. What's what's the science behind five, four, three, two, one? What's the science behind feeling my breath or walking? Because without mm. the science, mm-hmm. um, other than you can really sell yourself on like a nonstop placebo effect, which is just never going to happen. What's the science <laughs> behind these things absolutely working for somebody, even if it's just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I'll go right to... Um, steady breathing, slowing down the breath as one of the practices. Um, In the mindfulness deck, I call it uh, bubble breathing. So remember when you're a kid and you would blow bubbles, you have to purse your lips and Mm -hmm. breathe out for, you know, you can't breathe too hard, breathe out too hard because then it'll pop, right? And if you want a big bubble, you have to blow slowly and steadily and focus, all of that. So by breathing out this bubble breath where you're lengthening the exhalation, there have been studies that have shown when you lengthen the exhalation that it helps to lower the heart rate, lower blood pressure, helps to start taking care of those stress hormones to kind of dissolve them in the body and promote the relaxation response. So 
Interestingly, the in-breath is tied up with the sympathetic nerve system because we have the sympathetic nervous system and we have the parasympathetic nervous system. So when we breathe in, it's kind of refreshing, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just a tiny release of adrenaline just with every in-breath to kind of, you know, keep us alive and keep us going. And every out-breath is tied in with the parasympathetic nervous system the rest and digest part of our nervous system. So, you know, those were obviously we're breathing in and out all the time. So hopefully everything is in balance most of the time. And what we can do, because we have this metacognition, we can actually control how we breathe. Now, my dog, if he has a prefrontal cortex at all, it's about the size of a pea. I know I'm really not even sure about that. That's why we can't communicate. Yes. I communicate with my dog. Well, I don't know about I, you. I don't but, think no. <laughs> they... I would never have my dog on the podcast. I love my dogs dearly, Aww. but yes. Okay. So, but the thing is, he wouldn't regulate his breathing, right? Mm -hmm. We can regulate our breathing once we become aware that we can pay attention to it. I mean, that's something really fun to teach kids. Well, really, adults too. You can actually pay attention to your breath. And that's why we practice sustaining our attention of the breath then we can control the breath in a way that kind of controls where our energy level is. So in yoga, there are multiple breathing techniques for that. Some for energizing you, some for calming you, balancing, you know, different nuanced ways of feeling. So by breathing in slowly, but breathing out for a longer amount of time than breathing in, you trigger the relaxation response in the parasympathetic nervous system. And that to me is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Instead of just, here's the thing that happens. Um, if you were having a hard time, what's typical in our culture is to say, hey man, just take a deep mm, breath. Calm down. It's worked calm 10 down. out of 10 times. Calm down <laughs> and just take a deep breath. You're thinking too hard about that, right? So, but even coming back to that, take a deep breath, people do it incorrectly. And I know, I know friends at home can't see me right now, but a lot of times when people take a deep breath in, this is what it sounds like. They breathe in very quickly kind of loudly and they're puffing up so their their rib cage flares out their shoulders their chest goes up and out i don't know about you but deep to me means going down like deep in the water sure so there's training about and controlling your breath to take that deep breath in so first of all we need to slow down and we need to, if we relax the jaw and the tongue, that helps to relax the belly. It just happens. And then you can, if your belly is a little more relaxed, you can breathe in a little deeper. Plus we slow it down. And then if you tie in that bubble breathing where you're exhaling for a longer amount of time, you really are controlling the breath in the way that controls what's happening with your nervous system. So you have a direct effect on that. There was something I read. It, do you know who Johan Hari is? Hmm, no. Uh, European has written some very good books. Well, the most recent one, at least that I recall, is Lost Connections. And hmm. the I've got lots of things highlighted. One thing I always go back to with that is uh, before you go changing your brain chemistry, change your environmental chem chemistry. Hmm. He's not anti-medicine, but he's like, hmm. do A through Z before you hop to medication. Because hmm. a lot of times, as we've talked about here, you don't need medication. You need to get out of that job. 
Um, mm. It was either him or someone else of the same ilk who tweeted something that resonated with me that mm -hmm. I had not focused on, and it was breathing stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe you you know this one and, and can fill in the blanks here. It was something like, do this five times. Um, breathe in, hold your breath for eight, hold your breath for four seconds, exhale for eight, mm -hmm. and then like do that five times. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, I'm sure there's a million different ways to do it. There, but yeah, there are a variety of iterations of that. There's the four, seven, eight breath. So okay. you breathe into the count of four, you hold for the count of seven, and you breathe out for the count of eight. That's the one. Yeah. So, But there's also two, four breath, three, six breath. If I'm doing it with kids or teenagers, I'm actually not going to do any of the breath retention where you're holding the breath in. It's just the, the principle of lengthen your exhalation at the end of the day. Because sometimes if you're driving, you to do the numbers, because you want to be able to apply it in everyday life, mm -hmm. right? So honestly, the bubble breathing is something I do every day. And it isn't necessarily tied with a number, but it, you, you know when something's longer than another, right? Yep. So I know when my exhalation is a little bit longer. So if I'm driving, I probably did it on the way here. So I'm not focusing on taking a deep breath in. I'm focusing on lengthening my out breath and that it's like immediately effective for me how long did it take you in your life to get to this point to see that your anxiety was not as frequent or as pitched mm. how much practice because i'm sure everybody who's listening right now or anybody who came across you this is not like an antibiotic where you take it for seven days and you're healed no but over time it, go, it goes back to that practice yeah. so what's like a realistic mm -hmm. pathway for someone mm -hmm. to alleviate some of the anxiety or just mm -hmm. negativity in their in their body and their feelings well i i think number one there's that immediate feedback if you are doing if you're practicing a, a proven tool say the lengthening of the out breath you're gonna have an immediate response to some degree. Now, there are no magic bullets out there. And there is sort of, yeah, that long-term approach. So I started practicing yoga, meditation, these types of things um, back in the 1900s. I mean, 1990s. It was 20 years ago. I know. I so, got the math. <laughs> <laughs> so 1996 is when I started, when I took my first yoga class. And I, at that point, you know, have you taken a yoga class? Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you know, you lie down and you just relax and breathe and you're not stretching anymore. Yep. You're just relaxing. It's relax. It's relaxation practice. So I realized in 1996 that I had not relaxed in about a decade. I got so used to just being in a more anxious state and a concerned state. Um, I would have identified more as feeling more depressed at that time in my life and the anxiety I feel like has crept in more as an adult just I think more responsibilities in life higher stakes maybe mm -hmm. um, more chances to practice overthinking mm -hmm. really so it was in 1996 that I started um, practicing yoga on a regular basis because I knew I needed this I also know that the, long the longitudinal study of Jen is what, what year is it now? 21. So yeah, so like 25 years ish, I've been practicing different things in here. And oh gosh, I always felt like it was just kind of a slow, steady progress, maybe with a few plateaus along the way and a few, you know, 
nose dives and then you know brush off and let's 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 get back to this so could you so to go back to 96 was there an aha moment where mm-hmm. maybe it was just like an, a tipping point like you could have thrown it all away or you're like you know what what's the the old axiom or something the people who quit didn't know how close they were at actually achieving mm-hmm. something like my my aha moment was in 2015 okay. when i found the right medication to mm-hmm. completely crush my anxiety um, did you have that moment when it came to yoga, meditation, and mindfulness? I would say, yeah, that first yoga class I took when I was living in Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, all the poses were so strange. But that final part where you're relaxing at the end and all the teacher said was, notice how your belly goes up and down as you breathe. And that was the most peaceful I had felt, like I said, in a decade. And that was really impactful really, really impactful. Um, and I just knew I didn't understand all that was going on, but I felt it. And I think that's the key for anybody here. You know, all of these mindfulness practices, they are tools, just like medication is a tool. You know, you have to try these different things and see what works for you. Mm -hmm. And don't just take someone's word for it. You need to taste that yourself. Like I know, taking yoga or practicing yoga works i also know to keep me practicing i need to plug in with a community Mm -hmm. you know so some of that is i teach yoga on a regular basis so i have community around that but i also need to take classes on occasion too and go to workshops to keep me keep me going right because I know it's good for me, but like all good things, it's easy to let them slide because we're creatures of habit, right? So, what was I? I started a new book yesterday, uh, How to Do Nothing, Jenny O'Dell. Because mm. it was a really good book in the last year, mm-hmm. and for me, it's it's all this stuff. Mm. Um, it's very remedial, but <laughs> I know at least what I've learned as a professional, and I used to apply this somewhat to sports. Is whenever you're kind of in a slump, whatever that is. Go back to the basics. Back to the basics. Back to the, and mm-hmm. and you're like, why? Well, I know the basics. Yeah, you do, but um, maybe you need somebody else to sit down and give you a little perspective, classes, mm-hmm. or a new mm-hmm. way to do the basics. Absolutely. Um, I have uh, three final things to throw your way, so I don't take up too much of your time. You talked about kids. Mm-hmm. Um, why is this so important for kids to embrace now? Mm. Other than the obvious kind of sea change we've seen over the last 21 months and kids regulating Mm -hmm. their emotions and how important that is to learning as opposed to maybe accounting. Mm -hmm. Why should people embrace mindfulness in schools? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because the common denominator with every person, whether you are a kid, a teenager, an adult, is you have a mind and Mm -hmm. you probably have stress. Mm -hmm. And that stress is interfering with your ability to learn, your um, sense of being at ease, uh, happiness, enjoyment of life. And so kids are coming to school and they are quick to react, whether it's a kindergartner being mad because someone stepped on the back of their shoe. And then they're maybe going to push someone or yell or, or you have someone who can't focus and they need some help learning how to stay on task so they can get their work done or to deal with frustration so they don't have that fight or flight response and then that prefrontal cortex is not accessible and if schools are all about getting kids prepared to learn if kids are stressed out they're not in a their brain is not ready to learn Mm -hmm. i know if i'm really ticked off right now don't try to teach me something new yeah 
yeah. right? Or if I'm really stressed out because what happened at home. If I'm really stressed out because I have to, it, we're in a pandemic. It's really hard to stay focused and and be at ease so I can get done what I need to get done. So there's that. Plus, having been a teacher, I don't know if you've ever been a, in a classroom, except being a, a student. Kind of, yeah. Not a teacher, <laughs> but a speaker. Okay, speaker. So, so you have lots of little people, and you have to you know, manage this class. You have your responsibilities, your lesson plan, and you're monitoring all of these people who are trying to deal with their emotions. And some want to be there and some don't. Some can focus, some can't. And being, being a teacher, it's very, it can be very stressful. So many teachers don't have the tools themselves and to, to emotion, uh, blah, blah, um, regulate their emotions mm-hmm. also. And so these cards in here can help teachers feel like they, have, they can feel empowered with some tools to help them take care of their stress. And then in turn, they can also create an environment where it's normal to talk about, hey, we have stress. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be worried. We all feel these things and we can take care of them and we can support each other in doing that. One of the things that I learned when I was reading the more spiritual, religious side, if whatever you want to call it, spirituality um, with Buddhism was uh, with Buddha. And somewhere along the reading, it was discussed that there's always going to be suffering. There's never not going to be suffering. And that was, that was maybe down it got me down i was like why do i want to continue mm-hmm. down this path knowing mm-hmm. i'm all but then i realized the suffering as you talked about before there's always going to be bad emails you're going to get bad medical news like bad mm-hmm. things don't stop happening you mm-hmm. just get better at dealing with them and it's Absolutely. not even necessarily through just getting older it's mm-hmm. this stuff and mm-hmm. we live in a society now that is um, it's addicted to social media mm. and so many people hate it, but have to be a part of it for one reason or another. And mm-hmm. I was just talking to a friend today saying, I don't think the public at large, like, yes, you know, you're giving your info to Facebook so they can sell you stuff, but I don't think you understand, um, the psychology that goes mm. into like how these algorithms work and here mindfulness is a weapon against what you're complaining about. So as yeah. the, the things that pull mm-hmm. our attention mm-hmm. are always getting stronger and better. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen nothing like this mm-hmm. ever in our lifetime over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Here are weapons to help our brains. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, we ultimately do have agency over our attention. In other words, I can choose what I pay attention to. I can choose to pay attention to the microphone. I can choose to pay attention to um, something, a, a person. I can pay attention to um, the news. You know, if I'm paying attention to the news all the time, I might feel a certain way. Mm. I can pay attention to uh, gossip, and then I can feel a certain way. I can feel attention, uh, I'm sorry, um, I can focus on a wide variety of things, but I get to choose that. I also know that our mind likes shiny things. And on our devices, there are a lot of shiny things. Quick, fast, grab your attention, clickbait, all of these things to grab your attention. And our mind, I mean, if you walk by a house and you see the TV screen, you look at it. Mm -hmm. We are so drawn to that light. And 
Um, so here's where the metacognition comes in. Notice that you're drawn to that. Don't make a problem of it, because apparently we all have that. We're all hardwired for it. Notice it. Even notice that pull, like, oh, I want to look at that. I want to look at Facebook one more time. Yeah. I want to I want to listen to Eric Chase's podcast one more time, I, episode no, 14. Please do. Please do. Yeah, please please do. do that. That that's good social media um, usage. So <laughs> But you're right. I, so it's noticing the poll, being aware of it. And you don't have to go along with that. Who's in charge here? You are. You are. And then there's creating that habit. And and so it takes some I hate to say self-control because that just feels like so old school. You got to have self-control, discipline. But it's but it's it's <clears throat> matter of first. It, you need to be aware of it. Don't judge yourself that you had that pull. Like <clears throat> yeah, I really want that to watch that, or I really want to check my Instagram one more time. Why I'm trying to go to sleep? Right. Why do I have to do that? Because my mind is just habitual. I can notice it's just a habit mind and I can let it be and I don't have to indulge it. And there, I find myself with different layers of that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's like, all right, we're done with Facebook. Ah, but one more opening of Twitter and then you're down I know. that path. And, and But again, like there are mm -hmm. forces on that side of things mm -hmm. that use this same psychology and mindfulness to attract us, mm -hmm. you know, Using the cards and other things are ways that we can pull ourselves away from it. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I'm sure I would never guarantee anything, but I'm pretty darn sure if we all spent a little bit less time connected um, and reconnected to the world, not to sound like all hoity-toity or anything, I'm pretty sure our joy would go up. Oh, hands down. Um, just this past Sunday, I went out to Oak Openings out at the Beach Ridge um, Trails. I've not been. This place is great. Um, it's where they have the mountain bike trails. Mm -hmm. So I went out hiking. The The bikes were not allowed on the trail that day because it was wet. And so I hiked. And I started out taking a one-hour or one hour hike. And then it was a little longer than I expected. I ended up hiking for three hours by myself. And I'll tell you, I felt so much joy and so much peace. It really, But I can't tell you the last time I took a solo hike. You know, I usually go with people or I take my dog, but just that solo hike. And I know it doesn't have to be three hours, but it was, it's a pretty radical thing to do to unplug. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the positive feedback loop is, wow, I, f I don't feel as anxious. And f that particular day I was feeling a little blue. And so when I was done with my hike, I didn't feel blue. I felt like I wanted to stretch. I felt like I wanted to grab a snack. I had energy. I had a positive experience. I saw, you know, wildlife. It, it was very nourishing. I guess nourishing would be a good word mm -hmm. for it. Um, la last couple of things. Uh, yeah. Pull a card out. <gasps> Which one do you want? I, I don't want. I Pick just a switched. card. Any it, card. Is this did, when the people that have purchased these and made use of them, like teachers or, or whatever, do they go for specific cards or do they just pull ah. one? Because when I read about it, I thought about just pulling one. You you totally could, but it is organized okay. in in a section. We have. A whole section of breathing cards, for example. Give me the you know, the one with the flowers. Let's do the one with the flowers. What's that one? The flowers. Right where your hand is. This one. Yes. Two hands. That's the mindful walking. You saw that oh, one already. Okay. Okay. All right. How about that one? With is that a goose? A geese? Uh, these are ducks. This is ducks. laughter yoga. How does that work? <laughs> you just did it. Just laugh. <laughs> for no reason. 
no reason. And your mind, your body gets the benefits, even if nothing is funny. Your mind cannot distinguish. I mean, your attention can be like, I'm laughing for no reason. I feel self-conscious. I'm probably blushing. But it doesn't matter. I'm smiling. Isn't there also something it's, physiological about uh, the laugh as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. It lowers the negative effects of stress. It brings joy. Um, it's cardiovascular. It increases circulation. It promotes connection. It dispels any like um, tension. Um, Last thing, how can people get yeah. the deck or connect with you mm. more, maybe get involved in... Is the, is the Buddhist temple open now or are we waiting for the new location to open? The new location is open. Okay. And it. Um, I just went two nights ago to our first medi- meditation event. And yesterday was our very first service on, on Wednesday night. Excellent. So quick distinction. The, the mindfulness that I'm teaching in schools is not Buddhism, right. just so that's clear. It's just very straight up practicing being present, stress reduction, so forth. Um, and as far as getting the mindfulness deck... You can go to my website at www.integration.yoga. So it's I-N-T-E-G-R-A-T-I-O-N dot yoga. And you can, um, there's a little tab that says mindfulness cards. You can go there. You can order them online. If you're local, I may even deliver them to you. You can also pick them up at different stores around town, like Buchi Mama's Kombucha Shop downtown, the Toledo Museum of Art. Um, store the library store downtown at the main branch it's called art and soul they have some decks over there um yogaja yoga at cricket west has some decks in their shop you've got good people supporting you harmony in life in sylvania so lots of people um absolutely my uh my favorite thing with a new location for the buddhist temple and Thank God it never really took off, but I know that the neighbors were, they were somewhat displeased that the the Buddhist temple was coming and they had, I'm assuming all the neighbors have become very accepting now or... I'm not sure. I have okay. not met any of the neighbors. Okay. I know there were some concerns that there would be a lot more traffic. Yes, the rowdy Buddhists coming so, to the neighborhood. I know, I know. If we can all visualize <laughs> rowdy Buddhists, these peaceful, mindful people who want anything but are coming in with their kegs and their oh, tents. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, I'm glad that it's seemingly uh, the, the public supported mm-hmm. um, as this in addition to that yeah. neighborhood. And well, we worked it out, and you good. know we are being very sensitive to our neighbors there, as far as making sure anybody who's driving up to the temple, we're all being very careful about driving slowly. Um, some people can walk there. The temple is rec- actually right on the university bike trail, so we're encouraging people to ride their bikes there as well. And um, we want to be a good neighbor. And so, as our community gets, you know, as we get settled into our new location, we certainly hope to. Um, to see what we can do to even be a better neighbor. One last thing. Um, what is a piece of advice, a tenant, a pithy little quote that mm. you like to live by? Mm. Plan your work, work your plan. I like it. And your plan is to have a second deck. That's why you didn't do 52 cards. That's why I didn't do it. Yeah. Right. You have a sequel. I'm not, I'm not practicing with a full deck. And neither are you yet uh, until uh. next time. Um, thank you for the time. I appreciate it so much. Yes. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.